Welcome to the Net and Sarah Show, where we aim to touch, move, and inspire you every single week. Really? We're really going to introduce our own show? Maybe we should leave it to the pro. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. One second, ladies. Here we go. Sarah Maxwell and Natalie Cook are experts in visualization and deliberate use of the law of attraction. As dynamic world athletes representing Canada and Australia in beach volleyball, they honed in on achievement at the highest level. With Natalie winning an Olympic gold medal on her home beach of Bondi is a pinnacle example. Their powerful techniques transmute the spiritual to the tangible, allowing thousands of their community members to bring their vision boards to life. Recently, they have returned from their full-time family adventure in Europe and are now grounding down in Australia where they are focused on all of you. How can your dream become reality this decade, perhaps even this year? Not only do Nat and Sarah bring us their three-step manifestation process complete with downloading worksheets, but also their realities of failed attempts and some of the frustrations that color their path. They believe that this life journey was never intended to be jolt-free, but rather a powerful trip down the raging rapids of life. Each week, the Nat and Sarah Show will navigate the epic lives of their mentors to uncover how they use their own manifestation process to produce dreams that are available to us all. Are you a member of the community? Go to bit.ly slash the Nat and Sarah Show to download your three-step journal to follow along with each workshop-style teaching episode and get ready to take action on your inspirations. Today, we continue the conversation in laughter. No, today we continue the conversation with the founders of the Influencer Project. We've decided not to put camera on today because some, you know, just, just to protect you all, if you could see what they were doing behind the scenes, because they were exposing a bromance between Andrew McCarter <laughs> and Rana Saini. They do have wives, don't worry. But listen, it's been an evolution of their diverse backgrounds in the foray of so many aspects of business and life. For Andrew, the past 15 years has been about buying and selling businesses, raising capital, creating one business venture after the other, never really stopping until complete burnout leveled him with a diagnosis of a stress condition. So he's basically holding a stress ball, you guys, right now and doing some sort of like therapeutic thing that he must have learned, you know, when he was juggling it or yeah, or his circus career. Meanwhile, the young whippersnapper. Wow. I, I know. Rana. Is that even <laughs> a Canadian expression? But anyway, he was starting his into business inside the fitness industry, quickly realizing that the word lifestyle didn't exist under the grind of market, sell, hire, fire, create systems, be on top of finances and maintain Cash flow. He discovered online marketing and lead systems as a way to free up some of his time for his wife and what other things he loved in life. So their mutual love of marketing and business growth teamed them back up after Andrew had been one of Rana's first business mentors. So we get, the, we get the hierarchy right there. So together they are innovating the digital online marketplace with innovative social strategies for business influencers who are looking to be on the leading edge. And if you can pronounce all of that, you too could do business with them. So, okay, boys, <laughs> I know business is gangbusters, going gangbusters these days. You're not able to have your daily wines that you love to have. 
says? A bit of ice. Well, yeah, maybe you are. ISO wines. <laughs> it just means just, no, no contact. We just have wine 30 minutes earlier. That's it. <laughs> no, no more chest bumping um, that you have to do it online. But look, firstly, is one of you playing like music in the background? I did say I could hear, but there's either a TV on, some background noise that we could have covered off, but who is it? Who's the guilty one? Hmm. I think it's your voice in Andrew's background because you don't have your ear pods in. I've got to put ear pods in. Yeah, that'll fix it. That'll You're fix out. it. I think it'll fix it. You're right. And you know what? This is why Ron is on the team. This is why the whippersnapper <laughs> is young and innovative. It's why, why the half Indian bloke is in tech support. <laughs> oh, I got <guess>. were. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah we're, we're going there there's <laughs> and guess what rana just fixed it just like that yeah, and yeah. so boys here's the thing before we get into all the innovation you are currently creating in the influencer project i feel like there's value uncovering what led you both to here so like who seriously can't relate to periods of struggle behind before you find that kind of business cohesion that seems to be right product right time so andrew let's start with you because you're just old i mean the oldest um and so my question for you is what led you into business in the first place and were you always entrepreneurial minded i think uh it, i think it's a really good question i think we all get to that point where you know you you want to do something yourself i think starting off as a kid walking the streets in brisbane stealing mangoes and avocados from neighbors trees and selling them in the afternoon before my mum used to come home as a teacher uh, or uh, my dad owned a news agency and i'd go into the into the newspaper bin and steal all the old throw out magazines and sell them at school they weren't the sort of magazines you should have been selling at school but there was always something that i was doing to to make make a few dollars so i, I think <laughs> That's a whole other podcast, that one. But I think um, <laughs> there's, there's, uh, there was always a streak in me. I, I think that's what it was. And um, but certainly getting into getting into employment, and I was always pushed to uh, be better and improve. And I knew there was something else for me. And and it wasn't until I sort of um, got into my late twenties and got got undergrad studies under my belt and realised that moving into management and leadership in this country was a little bit limiting uh, in the bureau bureaucratic sort of sense. And, um, and so I sort of decided in the early 2000s to start to venture into business. And, and we started a family in uh, the early 2000s down in Canberra, moved back up to Brisbane where we sort of found ourselves. That was where we were from. And um, 2004 started into business. So I think there was always a bit of a, a hint that I was going to play in business. You know, it was one of those probably, one of those things in business that you're either going to make a million or go to jail. Um, it was probably a little bit aligned <laughs> to that. And uh, it was, probably wasn't far the truth from both. So uh, probably some together. Um, he he was think, a police officer. So, you know, <laughs> you were a police officer close. or is that a joke? No, no, I did seven years in the police. So oh. I got out of, got out of school. There were two things I wanted to do, become a pilot or a policeman. And I joined, uh, I decided to go and get my pilot's license in the late eighties after I left school. And um, and halfway through my pilot training, they had a uh, they had the strike, big pilot strike back in 1989 here in Australia, and it dumped 6,000 pilots in the workforce. So I certainly couldn't get a job flying a plane. I certainly know what pilots are feeling like today. 
uh, being uh, left into the wind of the wind. And, um, and so I joined the police to pay off the loan I took out to get my license. So I was in the police for seven years and then specialised in search and rescue in the police and then moved to Canberra in 1997 to specialise as a search and rescue coordinator for the federal government for six years and had an amazing time in that. And so like, I always like stuff that's a little bit fast paced on the edge. One of those things, um, you know, when you go to a dinner party, you say you're a policeman, there's always a story to talk about or coming from search and rescue, there's always a story to talk about. And that's the one thing about business. There's always a story to talk about. And I think that's one of the things that has sort of pulled me into business and kept going. I'm always looking. Uh, one thing Rana and I do very well is always look for the thing that's ahead of the game or when everyone's going right, we're going left. Mm-hmm. We're always thinking very alternate in how we're playing. And, um, and that's what sort of helped us to stay ahead of the pack. Yeah, got it. And I thought it was the search and rescue part that had you find Rana, but I, I like, I like, that. <laughs> I like where you went with it. Um, and it's, isn't that nice? Like Andrew goes a bit serious and then I had to bring it back. Um, <laughs> but, but thank you for that. Just hearing your eclectic background, it explains a lot about how you can relate to so many people and how you connect with people. And so I think that's the, I think that's the gift, Sarah. I think in any, you know, in any relationship, you've got to be able to communicate. And that's the key to the success of any good relationship at any time, whether it's good times or bad. Uh, any, any person at any point in time needs to be able to talk in many different ways, wear many different hats, put on many different types of shoes to be able to speak effectively to help somebody at any time, whether it's in sales or marketing or psychology or support or customer service, it's all, or just even a relationship at home. You've got to be able to relate. And that comes through communication. The one thing police taught me was, you have to be able to get yourself out of shit rather than into it. Uh, and I think most people get themselves into it rather than out of it more often. And, and uh, yeah, communication is the key. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. And I, it reminds me of how I met you actually met you at a friend's party and had so many conversations that night um, because I also love to connect with people. However, the depth of our conversation, your capacity to go from humor to depth, I think there was some teary moments and I left the, left the party and I said to Nat, what is it with that guy? And she said, I know, I had an amazing conversation with him as well. And I'm sure it was so different. Yeah, yeah and it the was- The first lady that said is, what is it with that guy? <laughs> Just different tonality. <laughs> yeah, but your emotional intelligence, your, your, your capacity to just drop in to that level, I was just, yeah, I was really, like you said, for me, that was leading edge. It was, yeah. it was different. That so Rob Nixon, if you're listening to this, you didn't strike me as that at all. <laughs> so, <laughs> that, that's our little wow. joke for, yeah, we're just slagging wow. time. Okay, Rana, 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 Rana. What about you? So tell me about little Rana and what were your dreams for your life when you were a little boy? Well, I had, I, I didn't, I, business was never something that I thought I would ever really do. I mean, I remember selling, similar to Andrew, we had a lemon tree at the front uh, of our house and I would sell lemons on the side of the road to try to get, you know, make some, some cash. And I think both of my parents were both, they both worked for the government. And so um, I, they, there wasn't a very entrepreneurial um, vibe in our family and and so I remember just being, when I was 13, getting my first job because I wanted to buy mobile phones had just become a thing that, you know, you could afford. They weren't the size of a suitcase. And I remember wanting to go out, wanting to get a job, wanting to earn my own money, wanting to get a mobile phone, having independence was really important to me. Um, and 
you know, being able to buy things I've always wanted as a kid that we couldn't afford when I was growing up. And so that was really important. Um, I don't know. I've always wanted that security, wanted that, that control. And, but I, I always loved, um, I always loved the performing arts and I loved acting and I loved school. Like I, when I went to school, that's what I wanted to do. And so I, I went to I did an acting degree and I, you know, that led me down that path, but I found the business of acting to be something that wasn't really a fit for me. You know, you always had to please people, you know, you're always auditioning for people. It's like, I felt like a dancing monkey, you know, like mm-hmm. if they didn't like you, then you weren't good enough. If they liked you, then you still probably weren't good enough. And, and I didn't feel like I had a lot of control over my future in that industry. And so I, <clears throat> I actually really was interested in health and fitness. So I went down the personal training route and I remember I was, I was working for a personal training studio at the time in Sydney and my mum actually got really sick and I had to sort of drop everything I was doing and go. And it was at that point I realized when I stopped working, cause I was only like a casual trainer, I, I, I would stop earning money. You know, it was this, it was this, this realization. And and I, I thought I want to start my own personal training business. And I got into that and I got into helping people. I really like to see people change and evolve and adapt. And, and having that, like starting a business was really a big risk for me. You know, uh, I didn't really know anything about business, but I dumped like a bricks and mortar business. You know, first business, got a lease that was $110,000 a year and invested my parents' money, my granddad's money, my sister's money to make it work. and. Um, you know, I thought that was the answer. And I realized that, you know, business for me had, was the vehicle to give me the independence, the freedom and the income that I wanted. And that kind of was the, the, the fascination for business for me. Um, and, and that's why I think I, I'm, I've always, and continue to chase, you know, what is going to give business owners, including our business, the best chance of success in the most effective and efficient way. Um, because I remember doing personal training and I had a personal training business, but I could tell you waking up at three, getting home at nine, having clients that, you know, not sleeping very much, having staff. It was, it was the hardest business I think uh, I, I could have ever started with. The demands physically, emotionally, mentally, financially was incredible. So it gave me a good bre- uh, grounding for it. And I think where we're at now with Andrew and, and doing inside the influencer project inside of digital marketing, it's such an effective, efficient way to grow and, and build a business. And I totally hundred percent believe in it. So it never felt like I've been in the, the, the more, a, a more perfect position than I am right now with what we're doing. So you saying that the, your first branching out into business was harder than being cast as the lead role in a Bollywood film, <laughs> the Punjab, and only speaking a bit of Hindi because your dad's Indian and doing it all in Punjabi, like was harder than that. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. That was, that was, so uh, obviously I, um, I went to acting wow. school and one of the things about the Australian, uh, Australian industry is that there's a lot of colorblind casting, you know, you don't see a lot of Indian, uh, a lot of Indian guys who are, um, lead roles of of films <laughs> you put your neck out bro just be careful <laughs> we're we're doing some bollywood dancing really badly sorry keep going rana i do so want to hear- I, I i thought i'd go everyone was saying you should go to india and try out i mean i went over there for a year i tried i uh, and i thought it was a great experience 
um, a year. I didn't, nothing much really happened. I, you know, I did a couple of auditions and stuff and I uh, gave my, my, my resume out, my, you know, as you do, your, your show reel. And a year later, I got a, a, an offer to do a, a film, to be the lead role of a film, to try out for it anyway. And because I was in Australia, I, I had to do a, an, uh, an audition here, film it and then send it. And then it was probably another three months later, they offered me the part. They told me it was going to be kind of in English. I was an, I was an English guy with an Indian background, very similar to who I am now, going over there. And so, but it would be what they call an NRI role, which is non-resident Indian. So I'd speak English and I was like, cool, no worries. When I got there, they gave me the script in full Hindi or full Punjabi and there was no English. And I don't speak, I don't speak any of the languages. And so, um, you know, I had to get my dad to come <laughs> over and teach me how to speak and read and do bloody everything for this film. And, and that was probably one of the hardest things I've, I've ever had to be called to do because I felt like, you know, oh my God, it's a great experience. It's a great opportunity. And to learn a script, a 160 page script in, you know, less than three weeks in another language oh, is pretty wow. tough. So we did, did that, got through it. And uh, yeah, we, you know, created and I, some... Uh, and and it, I am being a bit funny, but I wasn't because after I got over the belly laughing of seeing that photo pop up on Google, I encourage everyone to <laughs> Google that um, because I thought Aladdin was looking at me. And when I realized it was... A well, they, based, they, based the, they had actually based Aladdin uh, off my life story. So it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's my biography. So I just thought everyone should know that. <laughs> but truly, like I started to read the article and I thought... Actually, we got to bring this up because it really is what what these questions are are trying to establish what runs through the both of you that allows you to do what you're doing today on behalf of others. And you know, there's a whole life. We all have this. We have a whole life behind us. Whether it's police officer meets Bollywood actor, but honestly, both of you, what do you believe has led you to working together? And either one of you can take that. It's friendship. Don't you reckon, dude? I think it's, and, and respect. Um, yeah. I think the one thing, and I've done partnerships before that didn't work. And the main reason why the, my previous partnership didn't work um, back 15, 16 years ago was because of the lack of respect from one of the partners towards the other. And, and I think it's like, like we said before, you know, communication is key, but also is respect. And, the one thing that Rana and I have done in the you know, 12, 13 years that we've been uh, good friends is uh, Rana knows what my strengths are. He also knows what my weaknesses are and vice versa. And the good yeah. thing is, is that, you know, where the two circles intersect is where we, uh, where, you know, we really create mastery yeah. and, 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 you know, it's where it, you know, it's both mastery at a, at a fun level, but it's also mastery at a frustrating level. Um, you know, any any partnership has this you know uh has this thriving to it that comes through putting everything on the table and putting everything into something and and being okay if it doesn't if if what you say doesn't get taken up but so long as it's being appreciated and respected and and acknowledged yeah. and that and that's where i think you know um you know people always say don't work with your family friends or animals <laughs> and and the one thing that Rana and i we i mean we talked about this for six months you know when back in 2012 2013 when we were sort of starting to pull this together um mm. you know uh you know rana was saying you know for six months you know i don't know if we should do this i don't know if we, i don't want to sort of ruin a good friendship and um 
And you know, after we worked out where the lines were, we made it really, really clear and the roles were right down the center and, and it's been yeah. bloody fantastic. And I think that's the same, like, like adding to that, it's also that trust. Like I trust Andrew with, with like um, everything, you know, like with like finances, with, you know, handling, like we have the same values and vision for our business. So, you know, if he has to handle a client or an account or a, or an issue or a challenge or, um, you know, team or hiring, like we're so aligned in our values, you know, we might not always agree on certain things. And I think as Andrew said, there's a respect there on, on you know, on, inside of that, that we can look at it objectively and go, you know, you're right, dude, I, I totally agree. Yep. I think you're hundred percent right there, but that trust is always there that, you know, I can, I'm free to be the best I can be in the business and know that I've, Andrew's always got my back and vice versa. And I think that there's a real support inside of a partnership, especially inside of our partnership that, you know, I feel like if I, and I often said to Andrew, if I was doing often a lot of the, what we do on our own, uh, on my own, I don't know. Well, I, I definitely know that I wouldn't be where we are today. Um, so we're definitely as a partnership better together oh. because we have all this value that we continue to add. And we can multiply our strength multiplies our impact in the marketplace, which is, which is, you know, something that I'm always, I'm always grateful for. And I think, thank you both for how you talked about that because it comes across. It, it really does this appreciation that you have for each other to see you on a stage together is to watch two people understand each other's strengths and almost lift each other up. Um, I come from a world of, two on two in sport. And so relationship is critical because even though you can have two people, as Andrew described in a previous relationship, business relationship, sometimes one is actually pulling down and creating, I would say even less value than if there was one person. So to me, um, one plus one doesn't always no. create more actually, can actually create less. So that's why I, I did want to talk about that. And I, I like what you both are saying there. Um, even around challenges and different, differenting, different opinions. Andrew, I, I feel like before we really get in the nuts and bolts of, you know, the influencer project, I, I want, if you would be okay, sharing some of the big blows that life has delivered you over the past years, because I feel that the way that you deal powerfully with life amidst its circumstances would really help a lot of people see their own life, not using it as an, as an excuse, but rather a reason to move forward. So mm. if you're open to it, I'd love to, if you would share with our listeners, um, what's been going on for you in your personal life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think this is my story, I believe is no different to anybody else's. It just is in a different box with a different colored ribbon on it. You know, we, we all get challenged. We all have drama. We all have disappointment. We all have happiness in all different ways, different measures, different times. It's just is the way that's called. It's a thing called life. It's what we're dealt, but what we do with it, that is what really defines the person, the character of the person, I believe. Um, yeah. I, I mean, 10 years ago, I, I was diagnosed, you know, Rana and I back 2008, Rana and I came together. Um, I was coaching. I started my, a coaching business, coaching franchisees here in Brisbane. Rana just started his, his personal training studio and uh, Rana became my first ever client and, and joined, joined uh, my business. And um, a couple of years later, 
um, through through stress and running a business yourself and not having any support and doing the sales and doing the marketing, doing the planning and doing the coaching that the way so many small business owners operate nowadays is everything was up and everything was down. Everything was up and everything was down. It was a real struggle. And um, one day I just noticed that my vision was a little bit um, blurry and I, I went off to the optometrist, you know, finally, finally having to sort of be a little bit more humble and realize that my beautiful looks wouldn't continue and I'd have to wear glasses. And, um, and uh, anyway, anyway, I got glasses and went, far out, shit, that was not beautiful before. And, um, and, uh, and sure enough, uh, I d it got determined that I had a swollen optic nerve in the left eye and got given 12 weeks to be totally permanently blind in 2000. And, it was about 2009, 2010. And um, anyway, in, in that moment, I had a, a day of woe was me and felt like felt like crap and um and the next day my wife who was a teacher in the rock of my life she um she uh she came home to the disgust to my, uh, just this horrible setting of our lounge room i'd completely renovated our lounge room which was lovely into a movie studio and decided that if i was going to be blind in 12 weeks and couldn't stand up on stage and present and, and i was going to have to capture all my content and turn it into an online uh business and sales coaching framework. And at the same time, Rana was looking at selling his business and we said, why don't we do this together? You create all your, your personal training, coaching and this, all this mastery in, in fitness and I'll do it in business and sales. So Rana and I together, we pretty much all created Australia's <laughs> first business and sales coaching framework and Rana created the first online fitness tool for, for, um, for people. And, um, and anyway, we, and, but the reason I say that is because when I was speaking to nine different professors about what was going on with my, uh, my eye, it was linked to my brain and my brain was swelling and, and they had to drill holes in my skull and all sorts of stuff to relieve the pressure. They came down and said, there's only one thing that they believe, but it can't be scientifically proven. And they think it's caused by stress. And that was what was causing it. And I took on so much stress helping business owners grow that I often started to believe more in their business than they did. And I couldn't see why they didn't believe more in themselves. And it was just an uphill battle. And when you believe in something more than somebody else does, you know, I, I'm fighting for somebody more than they're fighting for themselves. You realize that that's, uh, that's an imbalance. And I had this, this multiplication of imbalance in my life. And it came back as um, an optic neuritis and uh, swollen, swollen optic nerve and swollen brain. So, Anyway, I, I defeated it, and much to the amazement of many people, it gave me the, the only two neuro-ophthalmologists in Queensland gave me between 2 and 5% chance of keeping my eyesight. Anyway, I beat them both. I did a bit of a Lance Armstrong on that one and um, still have my eyesight today. But, um, you know, stress is, that, uh, is such an invasive thing that is a silent, silent killer that unless you get a handle on it, then no matter, you don't have to be a business owner. Um, you know, what was it, 2016, coming up on four years now, um, you know, my wife turned around at um, two o'clock in the morning in, in early August and uh, very stressful teaching job in the role that she was doing and, um, you know, had passion for her kids and loved, loved helping them, um, you know, bring the best out in themselves. But it was, a, it was a, a new role with not much admin support. And unfortunately, she um, woke up one morning and said that she saw a dream in each eye. And uh, I thought that's that's pretty strange. She's obviously in a dream. So I got up and turned the light on and said, "What's what's going on?" She goes, "No, no, no. she's really quite stressed and worried." And and I, for the year and a half before this, she'd got home from school every day and sat there for 
five hours at night on YouTube trying to teach yourself the subject that the school had asked you to teach with no training. Mm. And it caused a lot of stress. And I'm meaning a lot of stress. And um, anyway, she ended up with these two dreams going on in each eye. And within about 15 minutes, we decided we're getting into the hospital and something's going on. And then she started having these seizures. And, um, and the seizure was her head was tilting to the side and she lost consciousness for 30 to 40 seconds. And then she'd come back and I thought she'd had a stroke. And um, anyway, she had about another two or three before the ambulance arrived. And uh, anyway, they got up to the hospital and um, she had nine in total that day. Um, and they gave her some pretty funky meds that sort of uh, helped calm her down, which was wonderful. Um, but no one could really put their finger on it. And um, about three or four days passed and, um, and everything was looking fine. And we were talking about, you know, being back home by the weekend. This was on a Tuesday morning at started, And on a Saturday, um, unfortunately, they all started back up again. And over the next uh, couple of days, she had about 400 seizures. And uh, unfortunately, no, no medical specialists could put their finger on it. And once again, it was this thing that, you know, this underlying condition that when she, uh, uh, about nine days later, after 400 seizures, they decided to turn everything off and reset her and they put her in intensive care for six weeks and, uh, and on full life support. And um, yeah, it was, it was a really, a really hard time that, you know, this is where at the time Rana and I had our business going. It was, it was just, it was just really in growth mode. It was fantastic. And then, bang, you know, everything comes back in balance in nature. And, and if it wasn't for, you know, uh, having my best mate standing by my side, um, you know, every afternoon or every day, I'd be up at, up at the hospital with uh, Rochelle on life support. And, um, you know, Rana would be out picking up my kids from school and taking them to ice cream. I mean, Rana and the two kids put on about 15 kilos <laughs> during the time. It was That's a friend. Um, I mean, I mean, my daughter got diabetes as a result of it, but you know, it's fine. Don't we? No We're still unwinding that period. Yeah, that's all. That's all on the podcast. But um, yeah, no, it was uh, it was a really tough time. But you know, it was you rather than crumble, somebody you needed strength. You know, and rather than sort of stop and say that's it, I'm out. Which you know, probably at other points in my life I would have, but. You know, when, when your rock is down, you've got to step up and be the rock. So, you know, the kids needed me, the business needed me. And I mean, it, it's hard to say, but I remember at one time, you know, having Rana standing beside me, which is amazing going, you know, giving me all that support. Um, I still remember one day we had nothing. We, ha we had no one else in the business who could carry on certain functions of the business. And, uh, and I was outside intensive care here in Brisbane, at the Royal Brisbane Hospital, and I was doing a sales call. You know, and, and you go, you had to keep going. You couldn't stop. And, you know, that, that stress. But the one thing, and, and my wife's come through it now, four and a half months at Royal Brisbane, and she's dealing with the condition, the neurological condition that she got diagnosed with. But it's changed everybody's life. But, you know, you lose, you lose the capacity to do what you did before. It doesn't mean you give up. It just means you step up. You know, change doesn't mean over. Change just might mean... It's now giving you the capacity to be the best version of yourself. And that's what, that's what Rana and I always look at inside of every opportunity. I look at what's going on at the moment. Yeah. You know, some, people, some people very rightly look at what's going on at the moment and go, you know, holy shit, our world's over. Um, other people like us go, holy shit, the world's just begun. You know? And even if, even if we, was, we were knocked for six and had to close our business, I guarantee within 24 hours, we'd have, we'd have an online business generating seven figures within 12 months again.
Why? Because you've got to have the capacity to look at what's happening, realize, hey, this is a stress. What can I do to remove that? And the one thing that got me through it years ago was meditation and just being able to start thinking in quietness and silence. And um, yeah, so that's a, that's a bit of the journey, ups and downs. Thank you for, for sharing something so intimate because I, I get the sense, and Rana, I want you to speak to this a little bit, is in that period when your relationship was really, you know, strengthened the, between the both of you and what you got about even Andrew doing a sales call outside of the hospital, how have you improved the business because of that, those events? Well, I think it's like when my, similar to when, when my mom was put in a hospital and her mortality rate was like, you know, she, it was the same thing. I remember that feeling where you just, you feel like everything kind of that you have, all your vision for everything, everything that you've planned, it kind of just drops because you've kind of go into rescue mode, right? You have to. And I think you just realize that business is like, a, you know, the, the definition of business is a corporate entity that runs independently of its owner. And I remember hearing that years ago and thinking, you know, at that time, Andrew and I, as Andrew said, we just, everything was kind of on this up, up, this up curve. We were doing well. And then we had this challenge and it kind of, it, it does. You realize in, in, in challenge, you realize what breaks first you know, and then it gives you the, the obstacle is actually the opportunity. It's um, at the time you don't necessarily see it because, you know, mm. when you're stressed, you lose vision. When you lose vision, you don't plan. When you don't plan, you lose, you don't, you lose perspective. When you lose perspective, you're operating in, in like in that mode of, um, well, in stress, as Andrew said, you know, you're operating in that mode. And so you're not going to make great decisions. And, but I think that's the good thing that Andrew and I had, like, even though Andrew was in that, he had to be, and I could kind of look at things from, um, you know, I, I could see, I could be the rational person when Andrew, you know, in some cases needed had to, to irrational. had to mm. be, you know, irrational, like reactive Absolutely. and mm. irrational. And so, so we had that, but it, it led us to conversations about how do we need to evolve our business such that mm. if anything happens to you, myself or someone else, we have the capacity to continue to move forward powerfully. So what team do we need? What resource do we need? What processes do we need? What systems do we need? And what do we need to do? What, what, what do we need to put into place to make sure that we protect ourselves, our families and our future um, as part of it. And like I still, I think, you, you build respect even more for each other when you go through things like that, because, you know, I, I still have a photo of Andrew, you know, he's on the deck on his deck and he's doing another sales call. And there are people that I know, and, you know, everybody has a capacity for stress and, you know, sometimes in business, and I, I don't mean any disrespect to anybody because we all, our stress, our obstacle is, is personal to us. But I look at that amount of stress that Andrew was going through that amount of stress that, that, was put on the business was put on his life and here's a guy who's resilient enough to continue to move forward because the vehicle of business was the answer to continuing to support the family right whereas it's easy to just drop the business and support the family but realize four and a half months later when you know things come back to normal but shit now i'm under another type of stress which is an economic sure. stress and I look at that in our, in our business now. We look at people who are going really well, who even, um, funnily enough, a resilience coach. And we got an email from, and, you know, the marketplace has this disruption. And all of a sudden, 
they're giving up. They're throwing in the towel. You know, it's, it's all too hard. And, you know, I think, you know, we're in a, we're in a world, no matter whether there's a, a virus or whether there's personal problems where we've got to make these decisions, um, personal and professional decisions all the time that will define the future that we create for ourselves. And I guess we're, we're lucky that Andrew and I have each other, but in some cases I look at other people and I think, you know, they get a pebble in their shoe and it makes them stop, you know, and I think resilience is a big part of growing a business. It's almost like the weights at a gym. It's the, it's that resistance that creates muscles that help you be stronger and so we chose strength at that time. And I think that's why we are where we are because it would be very easy to have chosen to put things on quote unquote pause until things got back to normal, which what is normal really it's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a state of complacency that you get used to, which means you're dying. So we have to look at that and go, Right now, this is a challenge. It doesn't mean we stop. It just means we plan for what do we need to do to get better so we, so we, can, we can move forward from this um, more powerfully than what we were now. So life is trying to teach us a lesson and sometimes it's a shit hard lesson. Um, and I think yeah. everything you've just said is really profound because it's really timely, right? Yeah, thumbs up from your, your partner in crime because I think um, the time firstly goes very quickly with the two of you because there's so much um complexity to who you both are as people and as you come together i think this is the perfect uh discussion and conversation at this time so andrew because i slagged you about being old you get to bring it home with <laughs> what do you believe right now i i got the mindset part from a business perspective mm -hmm. how can you lead at this time in business? By example. From your perspective. <clears throat> I, I think uh, one of the things that we've always done, and whether you're leading in crisis or in complacency, call it, you know, you know, I, I think you've got to be leading by example. You know, this is, there's no better time to stand up in front of your marketplace than right now. Um, so many people are hiding. You know, I've spoken to that many amazing business leaders over the last, especially 10 years around this country and probably a lot through the US as well. And every single one of them says the time that they really get to shine is when everyone else is sticking their head in the sand. And that's a really, really powerful thing to say. You know, and these are coming from some people who are, you know, in the hundreds of millions of dollars in family investment, you know, and some six people who are very quick growth into seven and eight figure businesses. You know, they say, you know, when, when markets are down, that's the time to stand up because everybody, who is the, you know, what we call the 94 percenters, the people who are more likely to follow rather than lead, they are, they're waiting for everything to get better. They're waiting for perfection. They're, whereas the six percenters, the leaders, they are the people who aren't waiting. They're actually the ones creating the new normal. Mm. You know, so I think, I think leadership nowadays is more so about, um, you know, standing up and being seen. It's about willing to, you know, willing to be seen both by people who, want to follow you, but also who want to bring you down uh, because so many people at the moment, you, you positive, you're, you're trying to be positive and help in this marketplace. And the people who are really trying to, there are people in the marketplace who are trying to sit back and wait and they want you to be like them rather than, and so they're projecting an anger. And I, I totally get that as well. It's, it's part of, 
the world of psychology is just what it is. But I think from a leadership perspective, standing up and being seen um, and actually helping, um, I think so much inside of what is trying to be in some cases capitalized inside a crisis is, is, is selling. And I think that's wrong. I think, I think so much can be done for the good through solving and helping and giving and sharing and from that is going to be a lot more than what anything in sales can ever do. And that's leadership at the moment is, uh, is solving, helping to create a new normal. That's what leadership is. It's beautiful. Mm. Yes. And, and I think, well yeah, it is. And I, there's about a hundred other things that I wanted to ask you both because, but what you've just said in that answer is I really wanted people to get that the way that the new normal around how you both talk about sales how you both teach, how you train. Um, the reason it's leading edge, in my opinion, is because you both somehow weave ethic and self-development and, and almost like these, um, like somehow, how do you get meditation into sales? But in this very interesting way, I feel like there is a patience in your strategy that you teach. And I want it that, all to come across and I hope people get that this isn't just um, you know like a tile for you to to kind of put up and um, this is actually real life and this is what you guys are doing so leading by yeah. example I mean look at look at behind us more purpose profit and power in business and then below it is create your new normal we've had that for the last four years oh, so wow. when Andrew says create your new normal. I mean, this is a mantra we've been banging on about for four years. Um, we've got it on t-shirts, you know, you know, every, every, every day is another chance to create your new normal. You don't need a crisis to create a new normal. Um, and I think, you know, you know, you know, what's funny around exactly is that um, <laughs> when Rochelle got out of hospital years, you know, four years ago, you know, she had a, a period where she was working with some psychologists to help her. And uh, to really reestablish herself, and and recently a psychologist uh, had taken over from a retiring psychologist, and the psychologist said to Rochelle, Rochelle, what I'm going to do is I'm going to help you create your new normal, and Rochelle nearly stabbed the woman to death. It was hilarious. <laughs> she's seen it far too much. <laughs> she's been hearing it for oh, years and years. Yeah, I'm just going, oh my god, this is my time away from my husband. <laughs> and, yeah the messages are weaving back but i yeah, want to yeah. even um the name the like the influencer project um it, it's really quite curious how it becomes you know you guys even have acronym like tip and you start to lose the sense of what that word is even saying um and then as i was preparing to speak with you both i really started to think about what you guys do out there and what you call us all to do is what is influence and um you know, we often talk about leadership and influence and all that, but right now, I just really hope everybody is asking themselves, how can I be a person of influence right now? How can I serve, um, not callously, but how can I actually, yeah. Serve courageously. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. Okay, boys, I want to keep going, but I'm, I'm going to hear it from that if I do. So over now, thank you. <laughs> See ya. No troubles Bye. at all. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Don't forget to join the community at bit.ly slash the Nat and Sarah show to download your three-step journal and participate in weekly lives found only in our private group. 
hold on, hold on, hold on. You've got to rate and review the show. And I know all the podcasts are always asking this. And in the past, I wasn't doing it. And the reason I wasn't doing it is because I actually didn't know how to do it. So open your podcast player and click on our show from your library, not the listen now. That's where I was going wrong in the past. So now that you know how to do it, when you go there, make sure you give us a five-star review. Five stars, five stars, five stars. And then click on write a review link to actually write a review so that you can tell other people that we're legit and even funny, maybe a bit serious. So if you want to recommend this to someone, you have to put your fingers on the keys and send us a review. Thanks.